Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you will breathe upon it, O oh God. Father, we ask, O oh God, that it will bring transformation to our lives, illumination, O oh God, to our hearts. It will break yokes, lift burdens, O oh God, empower us, almighty and everlasting God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Well, we are doing the second part of, 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 of this series, which sits really uh, uh, on our journey into God's promises, uh, a prophet for hire, a blessing or a curse, um, and you 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 know the backstory that 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 has got us here. Um, uh, the 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 nation of Israel was advancing towards God's God's promises, the promised land. Um, along the way, it was dealing with nations that stood in their way. Um, the king of Moab, um, on hearing that the nation of Israel was advancing towards him, panicked and decided that he needed help uh, to deal with the nation of Israel. And so he sought the services of a prophet called Balaam uh, and asked if that prophet would place a curse uh, on the nation of Israel um, so that he could defeat them uh, naturally. He understood that uh, you could affect the natural from the supernatural. Um, and, and so uh, he negotiates with uh, prophet Balaam to pronounce a curse, uh, to speak words that will invoke supernatural power to inflict harm uh, uh, on the children of Israel so they could deal with them in battle. He wanted to cripple them uh, uh, naturally, but he knew he had to cripple them. He had to deal with them spiritually. Um, he sends elders as a first party uh, to go uh, with a gift uh, to Balaam, uh, a gift that was was known as the diviner's fee. Um, the prophet, the, the elders go, um, arrive there. Um, uh, his response is not favorable. Um, so he sends a second party. This time he chooses his sons, the princes, and ups the gift. Uh, he knows that uh, Balaam, the prophet, has a price. Now Balaam knows that God has said these people are special. They, should, they can't be cursed. But Balaam's heart is, is, is lured by the, the money that is offered. Obviously his heart was, was already uh, corrupt. Uh, and he's hoping somehow that he could find a loophole, God could change his mind, he could find a way uh, to pronounce this curse um, and, and, and so he can claim the rewards that are offered for pronouncing the curse. Um, on his journey there, he, he goes on his donkey and we, we, we looked at the dramatic story of how the donkey spoke to him, uh, how the donkey saw the angel of God with his sword drawn, but the man of God, the, 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 in inverted commas, the prophets, his heart was so hardened and so calloused, he was so consumed by greed that he couldn't see uh, the angel of God, which really would seem it was pre-incarnate Christ uh, standing before him. And we learned a lot of life lessons 
from that story. Um, primarily, we, we came to a conclusion that the root of Balaam's sin, uh, why he was disobedient to God, was simply because of a love uh, for money. And so we want to continue that story today um, um, as we uh, pick it up um, from Numbers, the 22nd chapter, verse 35. Um, and so when they arrived um, at where Balak was, the Bible says, um, the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, told him prior to them arriving, you can go with the men, but you can only speak what I ask you to speak. Uh, and so as he arrives at the town, Balak hears that uh, Balaam is arriving and goes out to meet him at the border uh, of the, the, the territory. And then he says to him, um, did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come? Am I not able to honor you? You know, when you have a prize and people know you have a prize, the people will abuse you, um, as, as was the case. Um, and then he then says to him, verses 38 to 40, um, I've come to you now. Um, the word God puts in my mouth is all that I can speak. Um, and when they arrived at where they were going, uh, Balak uh, offered oxen and sheep and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. It's important for you to note that Balak offered oxen and sheep and we'll talk a bit more about that. Um, the next day, um, Balak now takes Balaam and brings him up to the high places of Baal uh, that from there he might observe the extent of the people. Again, it's instructive to note that he brings him up to the high places of Baal. Baal was the Canaanite supreme god, their god of fertility. And this tells us that, that, that Balaam and Balak understood spiritual things, albeit from a negative perspective. They understood, as we will find out, that there was significance in the sacrifices that they made. They understood that there was negative power that could be harnessed, and that's why he took him, Balak took him to the high place of Baal, uh, the god of the Canaanites. And then Balaam now makes four prophecies. In the first prophecy, um, the, the Bible records in Numbers 23, verses 1 to 4, Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on all the seven altars. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand by your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. The, the lure of the money, the lust for it, had seized this prophet's heart. And so despite the fact that he knew that God had said that these people cannot be cursed, he was hoping somehow that the, the sacrifices that were offered would make God change his mind. And so he went to a desolate height and God met him and he said to God, I've prepared the seven altars and I've offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then God put a word in his mouth and sent him back uh, to speak the word. So he returned and standing by his burnt offering was Balak and the princes of Moab and then he took up his oracle, and he began to prophesy. Now, of course, it wasn't the kind of prophecy that Balak wanted. Uh, verses 11 to 12 of Numbers 
23. Uh, then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies and look, you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, must I not take the heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? He asked him to, to, to curse his enemies. Um, he made the sacrifices that were required. Seven altars were built. But then when Balaam opened his mouth to curse his enemies, he could only pronounce a blessing on them, and that angered Balak. Then he spoke a second prophecy. Again, he says in verses 13 to 15, come with me to another place from which you may see them. And then he takes him to this place and says to him, curse them for me from here. He brings him to this field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah. He builds again seven altars and offers a bull and a ram on each altar. All these altars and sacrifices is trying to invoke supernatural power. And then he asks him to, to curse him. But then look at what happens, verses 16 to 18. Then the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he, he came to him and there he was standing again by the burnt offering, waiting with his sons. And Balak said to him, what has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his oracle and said, rise up Balak and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. Again, he could not curse Israel, on the contrary, speaking blessings over them. A third prophecy, um, a third time that he speaks. The Bible records it in verses 27 to 30 of Numbers 23. Um, then Balak said to Balaam, please come, I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them for me from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Peir that overlooks the wasteland. Then Balaam said to Balak, build again for me seven altars. Prepare seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said and offered a bull on every altar. Then he took up, verse, verse, chapter 24, verse 3, then he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Boah. And then he began to speak again. Again, he could not curse him. The fourth prophecy was even worse because by this time, Balak was angry with Balaam. Uh, he struck his hands together. He says, I called you to curse my enemies. You have blessed them these three times. Now flee to your place. I'm, I, I, would, I would have greatly honored you, but in fact, the Lord has kept you back from this uh, honor. And then he begins to speak uh, the fourth prophecy where he begins to speak about the Messiah. Now, what life lessons can we learn from these, this incident? Uh, there are some life lessons that I want us to learn from this incident. These four prophecies that were spoken by a man who was hired to come and curse the nation of Israel. What life lessons can we learn? Let's go through that very, very quickly. Number one, the spiritual controls the natural. To defeat Israel naturally, it was going to be a natural battle soldier against soldier, Balak understood that he had to defeat them first spiritually. Curse my enemies was what he said. Invoke by words, supernaturally, words against my enemies so that I can defeat them here naturally. The enemy wants us not to pay attention to the spiritual. He wants us to become so 
intellectual, so connected to the natural and the, and the earthy, and not to pay attention to the spiritual, but because the enemy knows that the spiritual controls the natural. Nothing happens here that hasn't been sorted out there. All the protagonists in this, in this, in this thing called life, all the protagonists are spirits. You don't see them with, their, with your eyes. God is a spirit, the Bible tells us. Uh, the, the angels are spirits. Uh, uh, Satan, our adversary, is a spirit. His demons, his own angels, are spirits. These are the people that determine what happens, and they are all spirits. They exist in a spiritual realm. You and I are primarily spirits. We might have a body and a soul, but we are primarily spirits, and that's how we have access to the spirit realm. The Holy Spirit is a spirit, and, and it is submitted to his spirit that we have access to the spirit realm. You must understand that it is determined first in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. The one who wins in the spiritual wins in the natural. The one who establishes in the spiritual establishes the natural. The one who overcomes in the spiritual overcomes in the natural. Number two, sacrifices and altars determine things in the spiritual. It's instructive that before each prophecy, before, before the words were spoken, and these were supposed to be negative words, curses, supposed to hinder and hamper and trap and contain. And you know, when we talk about curses, the natural mind instantly thinks about some old woman in some or old man in some uh, hut somewhere far away in Africa or somebody on a dark field on a dark night somewhere in England that is um, putting a hex on someone. But curses are negative words and you don't have to be in a hut or, or on a dark night for a, for a negative word to be spoken with the intention that it affects your life. You could be sitting in a sophisticated office with sophisticated people and people can be speaking negative words that are supposed to hinder, hamper, affect your life negatively. Now, sacrifices and altars determine things in the spiritual realm. Before each sacrifice was made, before each prophecy was made, sacrifices were made on altars to invoke the supernatural. Now, the comfort that you and I have is that as children of God, the ultimate sacrifice has been made for us on the ultimate altar. Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, the lamb that was slain for you and I, was crucified on the cross, the ultimate altar. And so as a result of that, there is no higher sacrifice that can be made. There is no higher altar that can be built because the ultimate sacrifice has been made for you and I on the ultimate altar. And we are beneficiaries of that ultimate sacrifice. 
on that ultimate altar. As a result of that, we entered a new covenant that speaks better things than the old covenant that existed at this time. However, that does not mean that we live a life devoid of sacrifice. That would be foolhardy. We realize that, yes, the ultimate sacrifice on the ultimate altar, but that encourages us to live a life that has sacrifices in it. We make sacrifices in our prayers. We, make, we have sacrifices of fasting. We have a sacrifice of praise. We have a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Of course, we have a sacrifice of giving. We have a sacrifice of holiness where we commit ourselves, we shun the attraction of the world and commit ourselves to a life of holiness. All these things are sacrifices. And of course, we create altars daily. Altars are simply places, uh, portals that allow the supernatural to connect with the natural. In our prayers, we create altars. In our praise, we create altars. With our thanksgiving, we create altars. With our giving, we create altars. We create altars all the time. And these altars and these sacrifices determine things in the spiritual. We encourage families to create a family altar uh, where constantly you're meeting as a family. Uh, it doesn't have to be a particular place because don't forget it is now spiritual, but it is that connection that takes place where you gather as a family and you invoke the supernatural, the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the favor of God, into your family. Number three, you cannot be cursed without God's permission. We don't have an enemy that is roaming around throwing curses or instigating people to throw curses as they like. No. The Bible makes clear from, this, the, the, from what happened uh, with Balaam and Balak and Israel that you cannot be cursed without God's permission. Listen to what the Bible says. Numbers 23 verse 8. But how can I curse, this is what Balaam says, but how, what, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn whom the Lord has not condemned? He was hired to. He wanted to. He desperately lusted after the money. He wanted to be paid for doing it. But he knew that it wasn't within his power to do it. He could not do it if God said it, it could not be done. And that's his response. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? The Bible puts it in another way in Lamentations, the third chapter and the 37th verse. Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission. The wise king puts it like this in Proverbs 26 verse 2. This is the Passion Translation. An undeserved curse will be powerless to harm you. It may flutter over you like a bird, but it will find no place to land because it is undeserved. The blood of Christ, the sacrifice ultimate sacrifice on the ultimate altar, once we come under it, it makes our lives undeserving of a curse. And the curse might flutter around like a bird, but it can't find a place to land because we are under the covering of the blood. That's why we encourage ourselves 
not to come out from under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Because if we do, then we create a situation where because of our disobedience, we can make ourselves deserving of a curse. But as long as we stay in obedience to God under the covering of the blood of Christ, then we find that our lives are undeserving of any curse. Number four, God's word is settled on this matter and on every other matter. Listen to what the Bible says. This is what the, the prophet prophesies. Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? I want you to take that to heart. Take it to the bank. That if God says he will do it, uh, what God says will surely come to pass. What has been spoken concerning you, prophesied over you from this pulpit, in this journey into the promises of God, I declare over your life that by, by standing on this scripture, because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind or repent, what he has said he will do, he will do in your life. What he has spoken over you, the Bible says he will make it good and I declare that he will make it good in your life in the name of Jesus. Number five, you are blessed. Settle the matter, you are blessed. God has blessed you. I declare over your life that you are blessed. I declare over your family that your family is blessed. I declare over the work of your hands that the work of your hands is blessed. The Bible says in Numbers 23 verse 20, the the, the prophet uh, for hire says, Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Uh, and that is your portion. Because you are blessed, anyone who is instigated to speak a negative word over you, instigated to pronounce a curse over you, to try to hinder or hamper your progress into God's promises. As that person opens his or her mouth, they will have no choice because God has declared that you are blessed. They will have no choice but to pronounce a blessing because God has said you are blessed. If they are hired to pronounce a curse, they have been hired to pronounce a blessing over your life. I want to declare over your life what the Bible declares concerning Israel and concerning Jacob in Numbers 23 verse 23. For there is no sorcery against Jacob nor any divination against Israel. It must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh what God has done. I declare that over your life, that there's no sorcery over your life. There's no divination against you. It cannot stand because you are blessed of the Lord. It will be said of you, oh, what God has done. Prepare for God to do something in your life as you enter a new season where it will be said of you as people look at what God has done because you have given yourself to God, you have submitted yourself to God, you have submitted yourself to, to his spirit. It will be said of you, oh, what God has done. Number six, the enemy wants to accuse you but his accusations have failed. I love a story in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah, 
the third chapter, verses 1 to 5. The Bible says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now I declare that the Lord himself is rebuking Satan on your behalf. The Lord who has chosen you, as the scripture says, the Lord who chose Jerusalem spoke to Satan and rebuked him. May God rebuke even now Satan on your behalf because God himself has chosen you. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. He was guilty. He was filthy. He did make a mistake as we sometimes do. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, see I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. I, I declare that as you come with a heart of repentance, that the Lord says to you, he has removed those filthy garments and he has clothed you with the rich robes. The rich robes are robes that are drenched in the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9 tells us quite clearly that none of us is without sin, but then when we come to God and we confess our sins and repent of our sins, God is faithful and just True, true to his nature to forgive us of our sins. If there's anything that you know is a sin in your life, now is the time to confess it before God. Don't leave it for one second longer because the enemy wants to take advantage of it. If there's someone that you have offended, make peace with that person because you don't want to give the enemy a foothold in your life. And he says to them, let them put a clean turban on his head, a symbol of headship, so that they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Uh, when in the story we read, uh, we all know that the children of Israel had done uh, quite a number of things that had grieved God, annoyed God, grumbled. But then when God chose to, to see them and declare about them, Listen to what God declares. And that was on an old covenant. We have the new covenant. The blood of Jesus makes us right before God. If God could declare that for the children of Israel, be encouraged that as long as you stay under the blood, as long as you come cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then your case is even better than theirs. Numbers 23 verse 21. This, this prophet for hire declared what he, what he was told to declare by God. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. Number seven, whoever blesses you is blessed, and whoever curses you is cursed. And this is, flows from the blessing upon Abraham, the father of our faith. Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham was told. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, look at the pronouncement over Israel in Numbers 24, verse 9. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. It is not in your place or my place to pronounce a curse 
on anyone. We leave God to sort that out. In fact, as New Testament believers, because we, we understand the severity of a judgment that God places on people who curse us, our heart for their soul, for them to be saved, leads us to follow the injunction for a New Testament believer that we pray for them. The Bible says in Luke 6 verse 28, when someone curses you, bless that person in return. Why are we doing that? That we might be like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bless that person in return. When you are mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as your mission to pray for them. Number eight, it pleases the Lord to bless you so anyone who tries to curse you will have no choice but to bless you. You simply cannot be cursed because it pleases the Lord to bless you. If anyone is hired to curse you, that person will have no choice but to bless you. Look at the, this, the, the, the fourth oracle as we come towards an end. Then he took up his oracle, Numbers 24, verses 3 to 4. I want to read this because I want to read it over your life. Numbers 24, verses 3 to 4, as we come to an end. Numbers 24, verses 3 to 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. The third, prophet, the third prophecy. Now Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not go as at other times to seek to use sorcery because it had failed. But he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to the, their tribes. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam the son of Beer, the utterance of the man whose eyes are open, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. And I declare over your life this utterance, How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Put your name in there. Your dwellings, O Israel like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him, brings you out of Egypt. You have strength like a wild ox. You shall consume the nations, your enemies. He shall break, you shall break their bones and pierce them with arrows. He bows, that's you, bows down. You lie down as a lion and as a lion who shall rouse you. Blessed is he who blesses you and cursed is he who curses you. I declare that over your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Your home is blessed. Your work is blessed. You have the strength of an ox. Uh, no one can curse you. Anyone who tries to curse you will have no choice but to bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And as I come to an end, the fourth prophecy is really a prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I take just one verse of that fourth prophecy, Numbers 24 verse 17. 
I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Your privilege and my privilege is that we saw him now when he died on the cross. We see him near to us. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. Now, what is the Bible saying? That a savior will arise who will fight our enemies on our behalf. A savior will arise that will guarantee our victory. A savior will arise that will take on our sin so that we are spared the wrath of God. Now all we have to do is receive that Savior as our Lord and Savior to enjoy all those benefits. To enjoy all the benefits that I have spoken about, all the things that I have declared concerning your life. All we have to do is to receive that Savior as our Lord and Savior. And as I end now, if there's anyone out there who hasn't done that, how can we hope to win in the spiritual? How can we guarantee that even if someone chooses to curse us, the person has no choice but to bless us because the Lord has not commanded it. It cannot happen. How can we ensure that these blessings over our homes and our families bear fruit in our lives? How can we guarantee that in this journey of life, whatever obstacle we face becomes a stepping stone to a higher level of glory. How can we benefit from the sacrifice that was made, the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb that was slain for us on the ultimate altar by receiving him into our lives as our Lord and Savior. If you would love to do so, I would really encourage you to. I'd be privileged to pray for you. If you would just say this prayer after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I receive him into my life today as my Lord and my Savior. I turn away from anything sinful as I dedicate myself to a life of obedience to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the grace to do so. Thank you for receiving me into your family. I am now a child of yours under the covering of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I am blessed, Heavenly Father, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to God's family. Uh, that simple prayer that you said, meaning every word, confessing it, and believing every word has ushered you into God's family. I want to declare that God has blessed you. It is impossible for you to, to be cursed. I declare that every curse, as far as you're concerned, is causeless. You are undeserving of it. It cannot find a place in your life. And I declare that you are blessed. I bless you in the name of our Heavenly Father. I bless you in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of His Spirit. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 